Hey, welcome to Pickled Parables. My name's Jesse. This podcast is provided by Parable Ministries. You can check out more at our website at parableministries.com. For the last few weeks, we've been working our way through our introduction series, kind of introducing ourselves and introducing what we believe in and what we value. And today's topic fits hand in hand with last week's lesson. Last time, we talked about personal perspectives and worldviews, and specifically what it meant to have a biblical worldview. So for today, we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit works in people's lives and how He helps influence our personal perspectives. So if you haven't listened to last week's lesson yet, then I would, I'd encourage you, uh, go back, give it a go, because it's a, it's a very helpful backdrop for our topic today. But that's up to you. Either way, you, you do what you want. For right now, we're going to dive into this episode, which is called The Holy Ghost of Christmas Past. In India, there's a really important waterway called the Ganges River. And it's important because it's a source for people to bathe in and people to go wash their clothes in and have access to water. It's really important to the, the social structure as well for those who live near it, because many will gather at the river and talk with each other, catch up, gossip, have community together. One evening, there was a boy playing near the water when he noticed something crawling around in the branches of a nearby tree. This tree was pretty close to the water. It had its branches hanging over some of the river, and in these branches was a a pretty big scorpion. The boy hadn't seen a scorpion this big before, and so he stopped what he was doing, and he just watched as it climbed around in the tree. The scorpion was making its way to the edge of a branch, but as the branch narrowed, the, the scorpion's size it began to cause some problems. The scorpion had reached a point of no return. It, it couldn't turn around because the branch was too narrow, and its weight was causing the limb to lower. And after struggling for a minute, trying to figure out what it was going to do, it, the scorpion lost its grip and fell into the river. The boy watched it as it fell, and he saw it in the water as it struggled for its survival. And the boy thought, man, That's great. What a fitting end for such a nasty creature. I mean, scorpions had caused so much pain and and sometimes they even killed people. So this, when a scorpion died, it wasn't necessarily something people would shed tears over. But not too far from where the scorpion had fallen was an older man bathing in the river. He had noticed the scorpion's fall. He he heard the, the kablunk. And, and he was aware of, of its struggle for survival. It was really curious, but he waded over to where the scorpion had, had fallen into the water. And he looked down for a minute into the, the murky water. And, and then he, he reached down into the water and pulled out the scorpion. I mean, almost immediately, the scorpion stung him, and and he dropped it back into the water. The boy was still watching, and he saw this happen, and he was surprised. He was, what is that guy doing? 
And after a moment, the man, still standing near where the scorpion was, holding his, his hand, reached back into the water. He couldn't necessarily see where the scorpion was in the water. He was searching for it. But then he, he pulled it back out again. And he started to wade with the scorpion in his hands. He started to wade back towards the, the bank. But the scorpion stung him again. And he naturally just dropped it back into the water. Now, at this point, the boy was mesmerized because he thought this man, this man is crazy. What is he? Is he trying to kill himself? What is he doing? And sure enough, for a third time, the man reached back into the water in search of this scorpion. And once he found it, he carried it close enough where he was able to throw it onto the grassy bank. The scorpion landed, and after it had gathered its senses, it scurried off, ready to live another day. But the man climbed out of the, the water and hobbled over to a tree and slumped against it, try, trying to rest. Now, the boy was filled with curiosity. Why would, why would anyone do that? And so he ran over to the man and noticed that his, his hands were a little bit bloody and were starting to swell. He was a little pale and the boy asked him, why did you do that? Why would you save a scorpion? Just let it drown. And the man replied, oh, my boy. The, the scorpion's nature to sting, but that doesn't change my nature to save. My friends, we must admit that it is mankind's nature to sting. But no matter how much pain we cause, there is nothing we can do that will change God's nature to save. When God created men and women, he singled them out and made them special. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 says that God created mankind in his image. In God's image, in the image of God, he created them. He made male and female. He created them. And God held a unique and special love for his people. Listen to this. Now, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. God allowed, or he he kind of encouraged mankind to participate in his creation. He let, he let us name the animals. That, that's a sign of ownership. He gave relationship to mankind. He loved mankind. He invited us into his rulership. But mankind responded to this love and this care with a selfishness. Our ancestors reacted in an in a, in a act of rebellion, which was just an act of seeking self-gratification and rejecting a healthy relationship. This attitude, let alone some other things, but this attitude itself 
has been inherited by every man and every woman since. It's ingrained into who we are. We are selfish. We are self-seeking people. Even when Jesus taught, do unto others what you would have done to you, Jesus knew that he'd have to phrase it that way so people would understand what he was truly trying to say was be kind. Our spiritual condition is filthy. Can you imagine the pain that we have inflicted from stinging and with, with our words and with our actions, the pain that we have inflicted onto a God who has offered nothing but love and safety and comfort? Our natural condition is a faithless partner who carries a lot of baggage. But despite our tendency to to lash out and to sting, God offered an extended hand to restore relationship with with us, to, to take us back. You see, it's by grace that you can be saved through faith. And it's not because of yourselves. It's not because of what we've done. It's the gift of God. It's not a result of works so that no one can boast. And God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, a person believes, and with the mouth, he confesses. Therefore, Jesus is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him, because he always lives to make intercession for us. And and I'm convinced that, that there's neither death or life, nor angels or principalities or things present or things to come, nor powers or height nor depth, nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God reached out to take us back. He wants to redeem us. He wants to clean us up and to renew our thinking, to renew our natures. Paul talked about this in his letter that we call 2 Corinthians. He said, so we've stopped evaluating others from a a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, a a new creation. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this, this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And this is still Paul talking. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. 
For God made Christ, who never sinned, God made Christ to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. It's through the the work of Jesus Christ that we are made right before God. Our, Our guilt has been forgiven, our shame has been forgotten, and our fear has been replaced with confidence. We are able to enter into a fully restored relationship with our Creator. So our standing has changed. But we must ask, how are we renewed? How does our thinking change? How, how are we made into a new person? This is done through the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was given to Jesus Uh, Jesus' followers after he ascended to heaven. It was during Pentecost. He is the sign of our covenant with God, much like how circumcision was the Old Testament sign of Israel's covenant with God. The Holy Spirit is our seal. He's our guarantee that God didn't leave us because the Holy Spirit is the presence of God in our life. Jesus said, it's better for me to go because when Jesus was here, he, he, was in, he was in his physical body and people could come up and talk to him, but you had to come up and talk to him. Now we have the Holy Spirit who indwells in every believer. It's much more personal. Uh, just to note again, the Holy Spirit is the third member of the triune God. He is God and he plays a very important role in a Christian's life. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, mankind is renewed and then continually renewed into the image of our Creator. Yeah, yes, we, we were originally crafted in the image of God, like Genesis 1.27 says, but we have fallen so far from representing Him to others. It is through the influence and authority of the Holy Spirit that we can become ambassadors of God. So how does he do it? How how does the Holy Spirit uh, inspire this renewal? How how does he affect our thoughts? He does it through teaching and intercession. As our seal, he lives with us through experiences, and he continually directs our attention to a godly perspective. Often he'll try to work with our conscience to encourage right thinking. However, I I should note, it's possible that a person's conscience can uh, become damaged, or I guess you could say uh, become seared, meaning that this person's conscience. They, they have a perspective or they have a worldview that has fallen far from God's original design. Sin has, has a way of twisting truth into a, a counterfeit belief. If that's the case, then the Spirit works to reprogram, to, to scrape away the burnt... <laughs> uh, 
tissue, metaphorically, of course, to reprogram our understanding of morality. The Spirit uses the teachings of the Bible as his curriculum. And Jesus gave multiple examples of what a spiritual renewal looked like in his teachings. He, he said things like, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. What does that mean? To be children of your Father in heaven, to <laughs> represent him, to, to demonstrate that you are in the family of God. Also, he said, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them also the other cheek. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. And also, he said, so in everything, do to others what you would want them to do to you. This mindset, this shift in thinking is what happens when the Spirit ministers to us. He creates new thinking patterns. He presents new perspectives. He offers a godly worldview. And when allowed to work freely, he corrects and inspires our thoughts. This new way of thinking then dictates our actions. And after some practice, it results in new habits. In the fifth chapter of Galatians, we're given examples of what the Holy Spirit produces in a person's life. This is what it says. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is contrasted with our fallen natures, which is in the same passage. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. It's sexual immorality. It's impurity. There's lustful desires, idolatry, sorcery, the, the hope of gaining power, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and other things like these. Let me tell you again, as I've told you before, that anyone living that sort of life, meaning who's ever living according to their flesh, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Because those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. The Spirit leads by prompting us and reminding us of Jesus' commands. Jesus said as much in John chapter 14. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you, you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. 
you know, a, a common phrase that I've heard quite a bit. Mostly it was, it was during a prayer meeting. This one person would always ask us to pray that he would walk in the Spirit. I think he was thinking of Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, which says, Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Great verse. And I remember that request because I, I had never really heard anyone ask for that before. But there is a way to know with certainty if we are being led by the Spirit or not. We are being led by the Spirit when we are obeying the specific things that God has presented through Jesus' teachings and the apostles' writings in the New Testament. That's what Jesus is saying in John 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And the Father will give you another helper, the the Holy Spirit, the, the Spirit of truth. Now, last week, I presented the definition of of a worldview by a guy, his name was James Sire. The first sentence of his definition was that a worldview is a commitment. It's something that you align with, something that you live by. Now, I must say this, you cannot have a complete biblical worldview without the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit works to transform and to renew our minds and and our hearts, our emotional centers. This, This is something that's needed in order to commit to the values and the worldview of the Bible. It's through Jesus Christ that we have been redeemed and set apart for the kingdom of God. But it is through the Holy Spirit that we are renewed and continually renewed. Often, the Holy Spirit works in tandem with the Bible. You could think of it as like the Spirit being the soap and the Bible being the water. Together, the Spirit and the Word of God wash clean the filth of our minds. Now, we have to admit, we're still a people who lash out, who say things, who do things, and and hurt others, like uh, like that scorpion in in India. We, We still sting We still carry our our sinful natures. But the Spirit works so hard to reorient our minds and to bring us into alignment with God's values. No matter what we have done or, or what we continue to do, God is consistent in His love for us. He wants us to change, of course through the the renewing work of the Holy Spirit. But we must admit that we live with a conflicting nature. Jesus is the embodiment, the representation of God's love. And through the, the influence and authority of the Holy Spirit, we have been given the honor of becoming ambassadors for him. So let us walk in the Spirit and allow Him the freedom to work in our lives unhindered. Hey, thanks for joining me today. We're at the tail end of our introduction series. Next week, we'll conclude it 
with a topic about communal Christianity. I'm really excited about this topic. It's a personal favorite of mine. I believe if people truly lived out what Jesus taught, then Christianity would truly be effective for those who need it. And followers of Jesus in the Bible are depicted as a family. And that's a purposeful depiction. So join me next week as we conclude our introduction series of Biblical Basics. Thanks again for listening. I hope you have a great day.